Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Okay. Yeah, so we just wanted to bring up our whole family and introduce you guys. She wants to hold the chicken is what she's saying. So um, David's going to go get ready for I don't know what. And Cash and I are just going to pray over you. She wants to hold the chicken. We're going to pray over you guys before we start. Um, Cashy, how do we pray? What do we do? Oh, her eyes are closed. Okay, so we're going to pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much just for this weekend, Lord, just to be in your presence, God. We thank you for um, Church 214, God. We just pray that this week can be fun, but also knowledgeable, Lord, and we just welcome you in this place, God. We're so thankful for each and every family member that is here, Lord, and we just give this weekend to you. In name I pray. Amen. Okay, so one thing we've been teaching Cassie before she exits stage is Jules was up here. Who thought Jules did a great job telling the Bible verse? You rocked it, girl. And what you guys don't know is she has more of that memorized, right, Jay? Yeah, Psalm 23. Okay, the Lord is my shepherd. I have, have a, a da, da, I, I need time to sleep. He lets me rest in green matter. And he leads me beside the first things. Say amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> That's Cashy. Okay. Oh, there's Pop. Everyone say bye, Cash. <laughs> Good job. Oh, you might need her Tassie. Guys, we can't pop Tassie. There will be a meltdown. Okay, so I'm really excited for this week. Um, we have a special guest, another special guest, who's getting ready to come up. Um, first of all, I have a question. Have any of you guys heard the story of when Peter denies Jesus three times? Raise your hand if you've heard the story. You have, Booney. So most of you guys have heard this story this morning, but we're going to take a look at before and after the story of Peter. So we're going to turn today to Luke chapter 22 this morning, and it says this. This is after the Last Supper, and Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has sifted each one of you like wheat. And I read that, and I thought, okay, first of all, how much authority does the devil actually have if he has to ask God for permission to sift his disciples? And I thought, okay, how can this relate to kids? And something that I hear often, and I get it now because I've got a toddler, is anything that happens with our kids, we give Satan all the credit. Like, my kids are being disobedient. Oh, Satan. Or my kid won't potty train. This is true. Um, She looked at me this week and, like, stared into my soul as pee was just dripping down. And And you think like, oh, that's the devil. Okay, that's not the devil. Or she's not listening. Or my child's in her crib at night for an hour. Earlier this week, a few weeks ago, we heard a knock on our our wall. So it's our living room. And then Cash is on the other side. And we're like, we hear a knock like this. And she says, Elsa, I know you're in there. And I said, I know you're in there. Go to bed. Okay. So we've all got things that we blame on Satan. I love your laugh, Liam. Satan lacks so much authority that he has to ask God for permission. So one thing that I think as parents 
is we've got to be able to put the work in and stop just speaking his name. Cast the devil out and pray Jesus into your home. We're living in a time and a season right now where we're giving him so much more credit. And lately, I would say specifically the past few weeks, I've gotten kind of amped up about this because Satan isn't even hiding anymore. And here are some examples. He is out there on Netflix kids shows. Parents, if you know what I'm talking about. He's out there. There are dolls that you can buy. Kid dolls, little girl dolls that if you dip them in water, they show explicit things on them. He's out there in our school systems, our lawmakers, blocking cities from being able to worship, stirring up families over a mask, political debates. He's not even hiding anymore. And so how much authority does Satan have if he has to ask God for permission? As I thought of this verse, I was looking up, and the word to sift in this specific um, verse is the word sinienzo. Oh, I got to think of sinienzo. Sinienzo. There we go. Sinienzo. Kids, can you say that? Sinienzo. Sinienzo. It means to sift or shake by inward agitation to try one's faith on the verge of overthrow. Satan is so easily trying to overthrow our faith right now. And I know we've had a few people talk about this, but there are two parts of sifting wheat. We've had Chris has talked about this, Christy Cohen. I'm going to go through it quickly. The first part is threshing. Back in the olden days, you would put wheat on the floor and you would beat it up against the floor. So that was threshing. And the winnowing, back in the olden days, is where you would throw the loosened chaff and the grain would be removed from it with a decent breeze. And right now, some of us don't even need a decent breeze for our faith to be shaken. And I go back to Luke 22, and it says, But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Then Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison for you, or even die with you. And this week... It was hilarious. Have you guys ever been so sure that you're right about something before? Raise your hand. Like, you're like, yeah, I'm right. My brother was wrong. Or I'm going to prove you wrong. Okay. I'm, something happened this week that um, my, like, Enneagram 8 came out that I was so, I was like, you're wrong. Um, and I kind of got it. So before we show you the video, okay, our washer, this is the story. If you have to keep the um, the door open, if you shut it, it starts to get stinky. I don't know if any of you guys have had this problems with your washer before. And David's told me multiple times, we got to keep the door open. We got to keep the door open. It'll smell. So he came up earlier this week and he was like, "Babe, you shut the door." And I was like, "No, I didn't." And he said, "I know you did. I don't shut the door." And I said, "I know I didn't." So he's sitting at the table. There wasn't even an argument or like a big conversation about this. That was the end of the conversation. He's working at the table. I'm working at the couch, but I'm sitting there on my computer, and I'm like, I'm going to prove him wrong, and I'm sitting there. In my head, there's like an argument going on. Well, little did he know, so Mr. Dave owns his own security company, and um, we have cameras in our house. We have one camera in the basement. The rest are outside. Don't get creeped out if you come over. Basement's not finished. It's fine. So we have cameras, and in my head, I'm like, I'm going to use his own tool to prove him wrong. 
So I'm on my computer and I'm like back playing this and I'm going back and I see myself come down um, and I put the stuff in the washer and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's me. I remember doing that. And then I'm it fast forwards, like time hops and comes back and it's me putting the stuff in the washer to the dryer. You can go ahead and play the video. And I'm like, I'm looking at myself as if there's another pregnant woman in the house because I couldn't believe it because I was so sure of myself. And I'm just watching and I'm like, okay, he has to come down at some point. And then you see me slam the door shut and my big pregnant self goes waddling up the stairs. So I was so sure. And in my head, there wasn't even like, there was an argument in my head. He didn't even know I was doing any of this. And I proved myself wrong. And I sent him the video and we were laughing and I was like, oh, okay. So, but in that moment, I'm like, okay. Um, after we laughed, I felt like God said to me instantly, this is how Peter felt. He was so sure that he told Jesus, I would die for you. I would go to prison for you. There was no hesitation with him. He was so sure. And it reminded me that right now the world is so sure of itself. So sure of itself that it has almost no assurance in Jesus. So sure of itself that it's sure that God doesn't need to be in our school systems. It's sure that legalizing the death of babies is a good thing. So sure that our, listen, this might get political, but so sure that our president had to make a bill that you can't kill babies after they're born. Like that's, that's the world's assurance right now. So sure that human trafficking doesn't exist that much. So sure that COVID is much bigger than God or sure of its political leader sits in the bigger throne than God does. We're living in a world that's an assurance of itself and not in Jesus. And so I thought of this because sometimes we can't trust our emotions, and I love how Jesus tells Peter, but when you repented and turned to me, go strengthen your brothers. Because he knew. He knew what was going to happen. So, kids, do any of you guys know the verse that our church is named after? What 2.14? Acts 2.14. Okay, so go figure. I'm going to read in that today. So if you're reading in Acts 2, this is when the Holy Spirit came down in the upper room, okay? So they're sitting there, and I'm going to, like, kind of fast forward through some stuff. The disciples are in there. People of God are in there. The Holy Spirit comes down. People are speaking in different languages, and everybody's like, what's going on? What's happening? This is the Holy Spirit moving. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. And I want to pause there for a second. Peter stepped forward. Some versions say he stood up. Some say he shouted. And as a parent or the kid or a kid, when's the last time that you stood up and you shouted and you stepped forward for something? Because right now, people are thinking as Christians that we have to to take a back seat to whether it's political issues, but what they don't realize is we're being called to step out and to step forward and to speak up because this is this is going to affect the generations. This is going to affect our kids right now. And I also love that he says, these people are not drunk. Some of you assuming 9 o'clock in the morning is too early for that. 
And I read that, and I'm like, you don't know a stay-at-home mom with a mimosa? I know I haven't drank, and like, I mean, I'm pregnant, but pop this baby out, give me a mimosa. I just laughed at that. I'm like, ah. Um, so he says that, and he says, in the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit among my people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I love that he says your sons and daughters will prophesy. Even in those days, I will pour out my spirit on men and women alike. All will prophesy. And so I read that, and I think, like, a lot of people are surprised by parents not having a voice. A lot of Christian parents. The world thinks that if you love Jesus, you have to have this passive personality. And I think the world is shocked because for me, I feel that passive parenthood can be no more. And there's a reason why Christians are speaking up right now because we're in a fight that is so, so thick, we know who the enemy is, and that's the devil. And with that fight, I thought of, um, so last year, we... And I love that your kids know this. Um, our family had lost three babies last year. And it was kind of one of those things that was just like a wave after a wave after a wave that you don't expect that to happen. But it happened. And our last baby was almost a year ago to this day. And I had a surgery for it. After we came out, we actually did a test on our baby because we wanted to know like, okay, what's happening? What did this baby have? And... A few weeks later, it came back. It had a genetic abnormality that was likely happened to at least one of the other ones that had happened this year. And so our doctor asked us, like, you know, it's going to be up to you guys. Do you want to continue this? Do you want to continue to put your body through this? And I remember I had a few people ask me once, once they found this out, and they didn't mean it in a mean way. It was a lot of love. Um... A few people said, Taylor, are you sure you want to keep doing this to your body? Um, are you and David sure you want to continue? Will, will one be enough? And there was something instantly in me that I didn't even hesitate. And I said, yeah, I'm going to continue to fight. And it's because I could see my future kid. I could see it so clearly, and I knew, okay, even if I have to fight a little bit more, and if it's a physical fight for my body, I'm willing to do it. And fast forward a year later, and he'll be here in two months. And so I just think that's a physical representation of there's something in a parent that whether you have kids or you're trying to have kids, you're in a fight, right? And Pregnancy alone is, is not easy, but we're willing to do it for our kids. We've got to be willing to fight for our kids because their faith is at stake. And until your kids are old enough to have their steady relationship, like we don't expect to give birth to our kid and them know how to potty train or sleep train or to be kind or discipline. We've got to train them. And just like that, the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart from it. And I remember one time, this is a few years ago, there's a family at our church, and she said, she called me over the phone, and something was going on in her, her life. 
And she said, I talked to this other parent and she was saying how it's okay to cry in front of your kids. And I don't feel that way. I think we should hold back emotion and not share with them the hardships. And I want to ask a question. Kids, can you guys hear me? If you see your parents cry, do you think that's a bad thing? Wow, that backfired. Okay, I don't think it's a bad thing. I told this parent, I said, you know what? There's nothing wrong with sharing hardships with your kids. And it brought me back to, um, when do we have, when do we lose our first baby? Like five years ago, I remember I told a mom, like, yeah, I shared it with the kids. And she kind of gave me a look and she said, you did? And I said, yeah, because I'm believing someday if I can share this hardship with them that they'll see the miracle even more. And they did. When I, when, when I was pregnant with Cashy, this is a story I remember from Bennett Taves. Heather had texted me I was pregnant, and she said they were talking about miracles that day at school. And she said they were talking about it, and Benny paused and goes, oh, like Cash. And that for me was like, yes, like we have to be willing to share the hardships with our kids. That way the miracle is even more clear. And so I thought, okay, how can we bring the upper rooms to our homes for our kids? And the first one is prayer, obviously. Um, A big thing is kids, raise your hand. And this is huge. This is like probably the biggest one that I um, noticed back there. Raise your hand if you've had nightmares before in your sleep. Or you've woken up scared or crying. Cashy does. I do. I'm not even a kid, okay? This is a huge one for kids. And I shared this a few months back. Um, we're so intentional about praying with Cash because the devil doesn't sleep. Jesus doesn't sleep. We think that if we close our eyes, like, or our kids close their eyes, oh, they're going to bed, it's going to be that. But we quickly realize with Cash around probably nine months, she would wake up with night terrors. And so it's something we had to take very seriously. So we have a routine where she says her Bible verse. We pray over her. And we see improvement in her sleep. Because I think we think, okay, if if our kids just shut our eyes, I can go watch TV and like chill and Netflix and chill. But we've got to pray even over their sleep, over their homes, because it makes the biggest difference. And the second one is peace. Like if David comes home and maybe he had a rough day or I had a rough day with cash, you can quickly get, how many of you know, like mom and dad, you can quickly get like, "Ah," and it's just not fun. If one person is in a bad mood, then it can translate to the atmosphere of your home. And so one thing we've learned is to bring peace into our home is to just play worship music. Do you guys like worship music, kids? Yeah, Cashy loves it. Okay, she'll start to request songs. But when we play worship music, Instantly, the devil has to flee. Instantly, like that, because the name of Jesus is spoken. And the last one is to protect, which I've talked about. And I just think that I look at Peter, and I think, okay, he went to the upper room where the the Holy Spirit was, and then he brought it to the streets, and then he brought brought them to the river to get baptized. 3,000 people were baptized that day after Peter left the upper room. And I think right now, the world, I want to talk to you about fathers for a little bit. Who loves their dad? (gasps) Loves their dad. Okay, I am lucky and blessed enough to have two dads, and they're all amazing. And all, 
like I have like 10 of them, two of them. They're both amazing. So I remember this was, I don't know, a few months ago, maybe this summer, someone came up to me and said, wow, Cash is like really attracted to men. Not in like a weird way, but like she just gravitates towards men. And my instant um, reaction was, yeah, it's because she has a lot of good men in her life. And um, she is obsessed with my dad, obsessed with her Papa Rob, wherever he is, and is obsessed with her dad. And when she comes into the church, is that Chris? And Chris will come down to her level. And even, even people like Cross, like she knows and looks up to. And I just thought, right now, I think we're living in a world that is pushing feminism. And I'm all about female empowerment. I'm a woman preaching on this stage, okay? I'm all about that. I can remember when I was 18 years old, I was at a different church, and they sat me in a room. Leaders sat me in a room and basically told me that I wouldn't be able to preach in students because I was a woman, and they had me read this verse out loud to the group. And I'm so thankful that our church empowers women and believes in women. I'm so thankful for that. So hear me. But because feminism is being pushed so much in the world, the role of the fathers is taking a backseat. The role of men. The role that God intended for dads. And so there is this thing, as I was thinking about, okay, like, Cash has a really good relationship with all these guys. Um, I think this is purposeful. This is intentional. I started to look up, like, I wonder if this is a thing. Because right now there's so many issues with the world, and I believe it's a lack of fatherhood. So there's something out there that's called the father effect. And this article was posted on fatherly.com. And I just want to read some things that I found out. They know that kids who grow up without a present engaged dad are less likely to drop out of school or wind up in jail compared to children with absent fathers and no other male caretakers or role models. When kids have close relationships with their father figures, they're less likely to have sex at a young age and tend to avoid other high-risk behaviors. They're more likely to have high-paying jobs, healthy, stable relationships. They also tend to have a higher IQ test scores by the age of three and endure fewer psychological problems throughout their lives. There's a book found that infants attained higher cognitive scores at the age of one if their fathers were involved in their lives when they were at least one month old. When infants transition into toddlers around age one, the father effect becomes even more pronounced. Studies suggest that when fathers are involved in everyday tasks like dinner, playing in the backyard, who likes hanging out with their dads? Dinner time, after dinner, you like shooting bows. Okay, love it. Playing in the backyard rather than expansive but one-off trips toddlers and young children benefit from it. And I want everyone to close their eyes for a second. And this week I just thought, okay, so we imagine as adults, we talk about this all the time, how the Bible talks about it, how 
we're going to be standing in, at the feet of Jesus someday, right? We all are. Someday in heaven. And he's either going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me. And I think when we think of that scenario, we think of ourselves so easily or other people that we know. But I think as parents, we need to imagine that for our kids. Because someday, just as much as you're going to be standing in front of Jesus, they are too. And it is our job, it is our role to bring the upper rooms into our homes. Because our kids' faith is at stake here. And I, for one, do not want Jesus to look at my daughter and say, depart from me, for I never knew you. So I want to ask every dad, if you're a dad in here this morning, or some sort of father figure, maybe you're even an uncle and you've got nieces and nephews in here to come forward. All the dads, stand up. Stepdads, dads, uncles, and kids, if your dad is up front, I want you to go lay hands on your dad. If you don't have a dad here this morning, maybe go grab someone who's like a dad to you. Okay? All the dads. And lastly, if you're someone in here this morning who longs to be a father, hasn't happened yet, but you're praying it does, I want you to come forward too. And kids, hug your dads, lay hands on them. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray that we can live in a world where dads step up. Because we need it for our kids. And not just humanly fathers, but the father effect between us and our heavenly father. So let's pray. Jesus, we come before you this morning, Lord, and I'm so thankful for all of these fathers that are here, God. I'm thankful for the purpose and the role that you have given them, Lord. God, we have you to look up to for an example, God, and I can see that, Lord, just like I said, the devil is not hiding, God. I pray that you can have this fire ignite in fathers that, Lord, that they can feel it, that they can protect their homes, that they can teach their kids to love you, to grow with you, God. Because every single one of us is going to be standing in front of our father someday. Lord, and we want our kids to know Jesus. We want our kids to know you. We want our kids to be able to stand up and to fight for, for their faith. And right now, if our kids are young, we want to be able to fight for their faith and to help them grow it. So God, I just pray for a father effect over our nation, Lord, right now, God, that you would lift a curse over specifically just this country, over the fathers of the world, God, that is happening, Lord, that you would um, put this thought in their mind of they are important, God, and that they can step up and see that this is an issue, Lord. God, so we pray strength over each and every family here this morning, Lord. And God, I also want to pray. God, if there's any man in here, Lord, that wants to become a father, God, 
You see his heart, Lord. And I speak into existence that these fathers next year will become earthly fathers, Lord. We speak it and we say it, God. They might be sitting here saying, not yet, but we know it's coming, Lord. And that you can ignite that passion and that fire in them right now before their dad's here on physical, the physical earth, Lord. So we thank you in advance for the babies that are about to come, Lord. We thank you in advance for the fathers that are about to step up. And we thank you in advance that we have a heavenly father that we can look to, Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen.